Hello and welcome back to Infernal Contraptions. In this episode, I get the chance to chat with Sophie Millard, who is the current boss of one of, if not the, longest motorcycling-related dynasties in the world. As usual, we ran out of time, and there was so much more I wish I'd recorded, but please stay with us for an extra segment I decide to add after we supposedly wrap things up. If you've enjoyed this and the other episodes of Infernal Contraptions, and might want to get involved, please give me a shout by emailing me at tim.lovebridge at gmail.com. Cool. Okay, um, welcome to episode four of the Infernal Contraptions podcast. Um, <laughs> in this episode, I'm back at the Oily Rag, but I'm delighted to, um, to welcome my special guest, Sophie Millard, yeah. um, who is, I'm going to say this out loud, he's, she's from the dynasty that is Millard's. Yes. Um, which, um, for those of you that are overseas, um, Millard's is... An incredibly long-running uh, motorcycle shop, really, and it does lots of things. And it's always been part of the community over here. It's always um, been the place when we were kids that we wanted to hire bikes. You go to Millard's. Um, if you've got, and we refer to them as Grockles. If you've got, you know, a tourist coming from the UK, etc., if they want to hire a scooter or hire a, a push bike, again a Guernsey term, then they'll go to Millard's invariably. Yes. Um, I think, yeah, I think there's a bit of. A rite of passage with Millard's as well. So I, myself and pretty much everybody else I know, when we were kids, took our tests on Millard's bikes. Yeah. So we always yeah. used to hire them. Yeah. So um, or, or at least been there at some point in your yeah, life. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know any motorcyclists on the island who probably hasn't been to the shop at some point or other. But Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I guess what we can do by starting is, is can, if you can introduce yourself. Yeah. So just to say who you are, and then um, and then we can just take it from there. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my name's Sophie Millard. Um, yeah, I've been the I'm the current sort of managing director of Millards. We and yeah, so it's been in my family for generations and generations. Do you know so how many generations? Um, well, so it was my grandfather's grandfather that started it. So when was it so, first? Because it's over 100 years old, isn't it? Yes, yeah. So it was first established. So he set it up in the UK originally in 1887. And then they moved to Guernsey in 1908. But it stayed within the family the entire time. Okay. So, yeah, we claimed ourselves as being the longest running motorcycle dealership in the world yet to be confirmed right okay because i yeah. knew it was in europe i didn't realize it was in the world, in the so world that's, um... yeah well we did try to get um the guinness bell record um on board but they wanted a ridiculous amount of money to um <laughs> let us use their name so we we've sort of shared our our claim all around the world and so far nobody yet has been able to find anybody older that's fantastic. So, yeah. That's just amazing. Mm. In a, on a yeah. little rock in the, in the channel, as I keep That's referring it. to it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, just describe um, what Millard's is. For those, those people who've never been to Millard's, what is, okay. what is Millard's and where is it? And... Um, we just like to help people who have got bikes. We hire bikes, we sell them, try to give advice when we can about repairing them. And, yeah, just... And always good for a chat as well. I mean, it's very oh, yeah. easy for your customers to walk in and because and whenever I because I go to Millard's quite often yeah. as you know um, <laughs> one of the things you notice is that the shop is um, and the little stores area where, where you go and order your bits and pieces yeah. it's, it's just it's a very personal space and um, and they're all um, Millard's is always a very welcoming place for anybody that wants to have a chat about stuff or wants some advice on yeah. what size nut and bolt or what type yeah, of oil yeah that's it I mean we do we always try and like I say it's not a big flash 
modern building. No. It's it's actually the complete opposite. It's very old. We've got all old pictures all on the walls of various members of our family and historical bikes and pictures of our 100-year anniversary, the 100 years in Guernsey, our anniversary. And, yeah, it's, like, very... Well, because it's got so much history, mm. you've got to sort of keep it documented and Absolutely, we don't yeah. like throwing things away. So <laughs> there's like loads of stuff everywhere, all old, some new. Because <laughs> you've got yeah. a certain deal. I, I was curious about how... Um, I'm, I'm aware of sort of modern motorcycle shops. Mm. So you go to the UK and you see the big Ducati centres or yeah. BMW centres and stuff. And, uh, and it must be very challenging to try and compete or exist in a space where there's yeah. certain demands from the dealers and things. I mean, how, yeah. how is that for you? Because I know you've got I a few mean, dealerships as well. So. We do. Um, I mean, they do want you to have all their commercialised branding and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, it is important, I think, to try and sort of retain your own identity because some of the really big corporate like they can be sort of quite uniform looking especially like the triumph agencies i think they try to have them all with the same flooring and the same color paint on the walls but i mean one our building's old and we can't there's we're restricted on space and obviously the outside appearance has to look a certain way because of you know states yeah. planning permissions and things like that so and a lot of the time they'll you know tell us to do things and we just don't because <laughs> where you know nobody comes to check because we're in Guernsey and we can sort of do our own thing a little bit more yeah. I think it's which is nice because you sell I mean I think of um I tend to associate Millards and I guess it's my age I mm. tend to associate you with scooters really so, yeah. so the, like the Vespa days and Lambretta days yeah. is that so we were I mean because we used to be Suzuki agents so the Piaggio group and then when they stopped doing Suzuki, but we stayed with Piaggio, who were the main importer. And they sort of went on to be solely scooters for, you know, with the Piaggio scooters, the Vespa, um, Aprilia scooters. Um, they also had Motocuzzi, but that was at a different dealership over here. So we, we didn't have them. Um, and yeah, because we stuck with them, we just sort of had their, their scooter agencies. But then... I know we just wanted to expand a bit more. Mm. We we started doing a bit in the way of motorcycles. We can still do them, but we started looking at the Royal Enfield bikes, and they're just so cool. And because that's some... been I mean, that's a real success story, the Royal Enfields, isn't yeah. it? And the rejuvenation of Royal Enfield, the investment from India, Definitely. and the, the quality of the new bikes are really impressive. Aren't they, they are, yeah. I mean, when they first started making them in India, it was a different company, and they weren't fantastic, but. Um, Ever since this new company have sort of taken it on, the guy, he's got such a passion. Like, he's really eccentric and he's very wealthy and he's put loads of money into making a brand. And, and they are, like, really, really good quality now. Like, you know, they come out and they're really nicely finished. All the bikes are lovely. So, yeah, we're really pleased to have that. It feels agency. like it's a real competitor for, for Triumph, really, I guess, in that yeah. niche, that, 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 that genre of motorcycle. It is, yeah. A... And, um, but a lot more affordable, I think, um, I mean, I'd love to have a Triumph agency, but yeah. there's, we just don't have the, A, the space, and it's a huge, fi- like an investment financially to set up a, a de- they want you to have like a sole prem, like dedicated to their sort of brand, so. Yeah, because I mean, your place is, I mean, I, I can't, 
overemphasize it. It's like going back in time. So you, you walk is, in, yeah. and then the little stores there. So Mike sits at the desk, yeah. and you're invariably in the main area yeah. dealing with another another customer. And uh, and then sometimes you get ushered through into the stores area if you're looking for a certain nut yeah. and bolt or funny bobbin. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then there's a little old staircase that goes up to the workshop upstairs yes. where yeah. all the, your mechanics are working on the bikes. Yeah, and it's and it's a very old workshop. Like if you could imagine like a seventies workshop, like that is what it's like. There's yeah, like and you've got that place. back alley access to it as yeah. well, haven't you? Which yeah, is just so, brilliant. Yeah, so you go upstairs to the workshop, which a lot of people get confused about. But yeah, you can access it from like behind the row of terraced like houses. So yeah, it's I I, I call it a rabbit warren because it seems like you go upstairs here and go downstairs and turn around and you eventually get to where you need to go. But it's a bit of a minefield. But yeah, sort of yeah, very old, big old wooden floors and holes in the roof and patched yeah. up with bits of corrugated plastic <laughs> yeah character. it is yeah. yeah and it's yeah really really cool place to work i think anyway because yeah. that's what i want to come on to is mm. why you decide because you're i guess the first woman boss of yeah. millards is that right so, yes okay. yeah not so, the first one not the first female employee okay but yeah because other wives of owners used to come in and help out and do bits but yeah I was the first sort of yeah I am the first director female director managing director yeah okay yeah. And, and and have you always been into bikes has that always been one of your things or is it well um, when I was younger probably not but when I was 12 I, re- I really wanted a scooter when I was 14 and so my dad said well, if you want a bike you have to pay for it so I went to the shop and I helped out like cleaning bikes and doing bits and he paid me a little bit of money every time and then I saved up half for my first bike and then my dad put the rest in and I bought my first bike when I was 14. This is Tim. But yeah, yeah. Tim, my dad, yeah. And I mean, he was, he's, he's worked at Milan's for ages. He's just sort of stepping back now to let me sort of take on. But I mean, he, um, he had like old bikes. I mean, we've all had bikes. He was more into music, I would say, when he was... Yeah, because yeah. he's, he's quite well known locally as a... An accomplished musician, really, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so, but that was always fun and part-time music. Yeah. And the Millards was his more sort of day-to-day working. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, I think, like, when I was... I, as I've worked there, I've become more passionate about bikes. Yeah. Because the more you sort of... You, you find out so much more, like, you learn more about them and, like, old bikes and new bikes and how the technology has changed to get to where we are today and... But it's interesting. I just I love learning about how things got to where they are and how things work. Because somebody know. once told me that Millard's made an engine, a motorcycle engine. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about that. When did so, that happen, and what were you up to? <laughs> that was when they were so when they were in the UK. We made um, a bike. It was called the Pacer, the Millard's Pacer, and it was essentially a bicycle with a motor on it. Um, and I mean, we're desperate to find one. So if anybody knows where there's one in the world, um, we want one. How many um, manufactured do you know? I don't, but I know a lot of them broke <laughs> <laughs> because you had to hand pump the oil as you were going. So you had to hand pump the oil into the motor because they didn't have an oil pump or anything. So you had to hand pump the oil, and a lot of them invariably seized. And that's why then I think uh thomas millard who has made them and running the company then he had to give people their money back and that's when they ended up just saying like okay and they moved to guernsey oh i see okay so they're all linked together that that story is all linked to coming to guernsey yes so yeah it came to guernsey and he had to set up millards in his wife's name 
right, Kathleen okay. Millard and Guernsey Gas still invoice us as K Millard, Millard and Co <laughs> Limited, yeah, um, which is, you know, really cool. I always wondered why, and my dad told me, I was like, that's fabulous. So, yeah, so she's a, a you know, a female that was involved, um, but more as a, you know, legal side, I guess, yeah. it was in her name and stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, been a long yeah, because I, I guess I, I've known, I mean, at least three generations of Milan since I've been around, yeah, yeah. Robbing the shop. Yeah, so it was my, before me, it was my dad. And he was the only sort of one of his generation that worked there. Um, How many brothers and sisters did he have? Then? He's got two sisters. Okay. Um, they found jobs like in different industries. I mean, my auntie, uh, one of my aunties, she's an engineer, so still okay. in that, but a structural engineer. And then my other auntie, she works in law. Right. Um, and then, so. My grandfather, he was one of three. None of them actually went worked at Millard's. It was their cousins that oh, were right. in Millard's. And then both of their... So that was his Lesnar and John were their cousins. And they were the ones that were running Millard's before my dad took over. And then Lesnar and John's dad and my grandfather's dad, they were brothers. Right. And they ran Millard's together. So that was Theo and Clinton. And it was their dad who set it up. So kind of like a tree that branches out but yeah and yeah, came back so, together again yeah and so now it's me and I was going to be working with my brother Clinton but he moved to the UK because oh, so, I've met him I've met him and yeah he, he used to work in the shop occasionally didn't he yeah so yeah so oh, I didn't know he'd gone to the UK okay. yes yeah so he moved to the UK and to do with bikes or no a girl oh okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think, well they both decided to there's just more for them there so yeah but no, I much prefer to live in Guernsey. I just... And tell me about... So, so lots of history there. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, I guess, curious about the future. I mean, what's your, mm. what's your ambitions for the place? Do you want to keep it... Do you want to retain the tradition with it? Or do you want to expand in different areas? Or what, what, what do you want? You're, you're the one with the vision now. It's your... Yeah. That's it. I mean, I, it would be sacrilege to get rid of the history, I think. I agree. You know, yeah. it's... Uh, yeah. And you couldn't... There's just so much with the company I just don't feel like you have to keep that identity and what people remember you for you know like I I always want to help like when people come in and they're like oh I just need like a bolt like this and you're like okay you know and you go and get it for them and I I like that part of the business and I like being able to help people even if it's something small Um, but then you know looking forward I guess it's just sort of trying to keep up with technologies as they as they come along you know like with like electric and stuff like that because that is what demand will move towards yeah, I, was, I guess I was going to touch on the because Piaggio are playing around electric quite a lot yeah they? so it's, they've um, got a, a scooter that's coming out soon um so we'll probably get involved with that as well but I I don't think it I mean I say this but you know I don't think it'll ever take over from petrol vehicles especially motorbikes because part of the fun of a motorbike is the engine and the sound and the you know the character of it and do you ride a motorbike right now have you got one at the moment no well I've got an old car that carries (laughs) babies around eh? because I can't I can't I do I have actually got a sidecar for my Vespa because you've got a black and white Vespa haven't you yeah it's a T5 did I try and buy it once they were interested (laughs) yeah and I've um been I've acquired a sidecar for it and my hope is that for to be able to put the children in the sidecar, but I don't know how 
one a you know good I am going to be at driving a sidecar because it's quite tricky apparently and you know their safety you should really think about that well because apparently um I was reading about there was a a guy a blogger that was talking about Watsonian the sidecar manufacturer yeah yeah. and he was saying that apparently the managing director of Watsonian won't let you out of the car park unless he's tested that it's safe for you to do so because they're they're so dangerous unless until you get used to them yeah because um I know a few well Dave one of the mechanics at my work he's he's quite good at uh, he's driving, riding sidecars, driving sidecars, riding with a sidecar. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, but he was like sort of trying to explain to me, and it's like if you've got the sidecar on your left, when you turn left, you would think that it would push the sidecar down, but it actually lifts the sidecar up, so you have to try and drive into it. And I don't know, I was like, when he was trying to explain to me, I was like, that sounds terrifying, but I'm willing to give it a go anyway. Yeah, I think you get used to yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. Got to try There's actually. Um, again, for the benefit of the listeners, if anybody's listening out there, there's, a, there's actually a sidecar, an orange one hanging up in the, in the machine shop over there. So we were just talking about that before we started recording. Yeah. So which is, um, and there's all sorts of weird, like a monkey bike on the, on yeah. the scene next to the canoe. Well, it looks well. like a canoe, yeah. Yeah, there it is. I mean, Phil talks about it in one of the previous episodes. Is That, that was um, from the war. Um, oh, wow. You know, from the occupation. So, so yeah. That's very cool. Got a bit of history to it as well. Yes. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we've got lots of old things in our shop we've got like tell me about pre- the old things Come tell on. me about the old things we've got pre- what, you, what goodness have you got in there that we our lovers of the oily rag would yeah. be interested in we've got um our well it's my dad's old motorbike it's just a suzuki gt185 with its drum brakes that's his that's his bike that he first bought when he was okay. 16 because martin i was chatting to martin another episode of this mm. who's got a we were talking about the 185 and yeah. he's got the 250 the 380 the 550 and the 750, 750 yeah so. <laughs> yes yeah i think i've seen his bikes actually um but yeah so my dad's is the 185 and um yeah so that's up on top of the office yeah um and then we've got pre-war bicycles and wooden wheels tills typewriters cash reds, and a 1910 coventry eagle but it's registered as a 1920 because that's when they started registering bikes in Guernsey. Was there no so, registration at all before that then? No, well, there might have been like something more handwritten. Care, really? No, well, there probably yeah. weren't that many on the roads that warranted. I don't know, but yeah, so it's it is a 1910, but it's registered as a 1920. Do you know where it came from? Was it first registered in Guernsey, or did it come? I don't know. Okay. Because the. Uh, Logbook doesn't go back that far. Because it's on, on top of the office. Yeah. There's other bits of memorabilia there, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. We've got old like signs and motors. We've got like three spare motors for our Coventry Eagle. We've got just in case. Yeah. yeah. Old like castrol tins. Old, you know, old everything. Yeah. When was the last time your dad raised GT one eight five? Does he still go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we drove it down to one of the bike nights a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, because it's drum braked, it's only after you've ridden, been riding with a disc brake bike for so long, then you start riding something with drum brakes, and it's like, whoa, this doesn't stop very well. And we were going down um, St. Julian's Avenue, it's like putting his feet on the floor as he's trying to brake. <laughs> so. And then, yeah, I've ridden it once, and I, because it's got the um, fuel tap on the not the fuel tap, the choke is on the carburetor. Yeah. And I didn't realise. So I pulled the, you know, pulled the choke on, put, made sure the fuel tap's on, started, went out the drive, 
got stuck in traffic and I was idling in traffic for ages and, just like, and then all of a sudden the bike died and I've obviously been riding four-stroke motorbikes still with chokes but four-stroke and this is a two-stroke and I was like oh maybe I should have turned the choke off so turned it off still wouldn't start put it back on a bit still wouldn't start and I had to like push it into somebody's driveway because cars are like overtaking me and I didn't realize that you have to like you know turn it off pretty sharpish you can't just leave it on yeah. um and yeah, so I ended up flooding his bike and he wasn't very happy with me. <laughs> so I was like, I won't ride it again, I'm really sorry. And yeah. So, but you were going, I guess, to a Green Man uh, event uh, or something like that? or one of Yeah, the when, I, when we went with my dad, yeah, yeah, when he rode the GT185, I was on my Vespa T5 and we were driving to the, one of the bike nights. Because you, you sponsor a lot of that, don't you? And do yeah. a lot of things for charity and stuff like that. Yeah, right? so yeah. We, we, we sort of sponsor their bike nights because um, each they do five a year and each one supports a different charity. So in supporting them, we support each of the five charities. So like this year, we raffled off a motorbike and it raised just under £1,000 for each charity. Mm. Um, and, that's in addition, and then in addition to that, they collected money on each night as well. So... Yeah, it raised a lot, and they're all local charities, uh, RNLI, GSPCA, uh, you know, yeah. all those sort of things. So, I, mean, I should I should add as well that the bike nights are just spectacular here for such a small island. I mean, some of the wonderful bikes that turn up, and what's that, 150 bikes sometimes? Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's in, insane how many turn up. You don't realise that there's actually that many bikes in Guernsey, um, and we've had like some you know people come over as well to do like to show off their bikes. Alan Milliard. Alan Milliard came, yeah. yeah. With his and, Viper, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the things that come out of the woodwork, like, people actually come into the shop, like, days before, they're like, oh, I need this because I want to get my bike ready for bike night, and it's, it is nice to have an event that people look forward to and they want to get their bikes ready for that, and it's, instead of them just sitting or just being used, you know, it's actually sort of focuses people and things, it's, it's, Nice. I remember Alan Milliard because I was there that night when he bought the Viper because he bought it over on the ferry. Yeah. And did you see it when he, cause he, when he dropped it? It started to fall over and it's, yeah. it's got a Dodge Viper V10 engine. In yeah. It. And, uh, and I've never seen so many people run across to <laughs> hold him up. Throw and, themselves yeah, underneath. Yeah, actually, yeah, taking one for the team as they yeah. say. But that was amazing. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, yeah, I think he's friendly with um, uh, Lee Corbett. Yeah, with Lee Corbett, yeah. 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 So, so. Um, yeah, he managed to get him over. So no, and there are obviously yeah, a lot of biking people that have come over. I mean, we bought some of the uh, races over when we had our hundred-year show. So we, um, yeah, had um, uh, John McGuinness come over, um, Michael Rutter, and they're all like you know TT races. Yeah, well, stuff, Martin so. was showing me photographs because he's mm. very proud of the photo because he was there that. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the bikes parked up Victoria Road where you yes. are, which is brilliant. Yeah, we've actually been playing in the shop at the moment. Um, somebody did some footage of all the bikes, and it was—I mean, it was—it was such an odd day that hundred-year anniversary because we had people coming to bring bikes to the shop to store them um, the night before, so that they didn't have to bring them in the morning and stuff. And somebody brought this bike in, and I—you I, know—I didn't really know much about this one bike that turned up, and. You know, and Fred said to me, "It's like you do know that that bike's probably worth like over a hundred thousand pounds." Like it was a Vincent, um, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, are you serious? That's uh, that's mental." I was like, "Are you sure we shouldn't like somebody shouldn't be staying at the shop overnight, like just in case, or whatever?" And it was due to pour down with rain and have like 
huge gales the next day and lots of people saying you know if it's raining we're not coming and it's like and the next morning we woke up and it was just glorious sunshine oh, was meant to be. Yeah, yeah there was no wind at all and they were doing a big um, like convoy bike ride from the like, sort of motor tax uh, Boer yeah. Avenue all the way up to the shop and there were like hundreds of people on their bikes and the all of Victoria Road was full of the show bikes and we never really thought how where all these bikes were going to park but fortunately it just so happened like we didn't organize it but the charotterie was closed which is the big hill next to victoria road where we are and it was closed so everyone was able to park their bikes all the way down the charotterie and then all the show bikes sort of carried on up through victoria road and people were saying oh yes because we saw some of the bikes in charotterie and we we're like well they weren't even like as part of like the entry yeah. entered bikes but it's still people you know were wandering around all over like looking at motorbikes it was it was absolutely fabulous how it actually all just worked out <laughs> without really yeah it was a lot of planning that went into it but there's a lot of things that just by chance just came right yeah, yeah just exactly right yeah I wanted to um, I also wanted to talk to you I think because I, I touched on it about the, the fact that I rented one the Suzuki RN250 for yeah. take my test <laughs> and, it, and it's now parked in one of the garages down, down from me it's, you know all these bikes are things of legendary yeah. in Guernsey but um the rite of passage stuff is really interesting mm. and that Millard's played such a, an important role in that because you do a lot of the 50cc scooters and motorcycles, don't you? Yeah. And, and you know, the, the first, you know, I, yeah, my daughter, you know, yeah. her bike and all, everybody's first bike seems to often come from Millard's. Yeah. Or well, even if they're first, like, but like, as you say, people hire bikes to do their CBT and their training. CBT they, being what? Compulsory basic training. Training, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's... To be able to ride, you have to do that first before you can go on the roads. And then once you've passed that, you can ride with our plates. But it's different in Guernsey to the UK, isn't it? It's, it is, um... yeah. They still do have CBT there, but it's there's a bit more sort of licence progression. Whereas over here, you can go straight on to like, do your full A licence. You don't have to have had previous licences. So sometimes the first time that people ride a bike could be the 250 that they hire from me. And then after they finish their CBT, they can stick our plates on a... Hayabusa or something and, yeah, and drive around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's Guernsey, so, you know, the idea is that you're only driving 35 miles an hour and uh, you can't obviously ride on motorways and take it away at that no. time. So, yeah. It takes a bit of practice, doesn't it? When you, the first time, I remember the first time I, I took a bike away, it was mm. such a different experience from uh, I still said. haven't actually ridden a bike abroad. Have you not? No. Oh, I used to do that. Yeah. Go to France and chat again, chat to Martin about it. Go to yeah. France first. It's a lovely yeah. place to ride a bike. I would just like, I mean, I can't, I need to wait until my children are older. How old are your kids? Uh, I've got a two year old and a three year old. So, yeah. When they're 14, <laughs> they can have their own bikes and then I can. Because we've got this new Royal Enfield Meteor in yellow in the shop at the moment and I really want it. And I'm like, how can I strap my children on? <laughs> Can't leave them at home. How are we going to make this work? But no. That's got to be a sidecar for that, though, surely. Yeah. yeah. Sidecar. It's just a sidecar with two seats, and we'd have to fabricate something to make it work. We've got the tools. I'm sure we could. The workshop yeah. here. Because so. um, uh, what Sonian guys were saying, that they're doing really well. I mean, it's a real re- resurgence in that, a revival mm. of the a sidecar, isn't it? Yeah. Just, Don't again, you? not for a primary form of transport, but just because people fun. love it yeah, yeah that's it and they look and it is cool when you see one on the road coming towards you like oh my god it's a yeah. bike with a sidecar did you see that have you seen the Ural over here yeah, the yeah, orange yeah. one that's yeah. a pretty bike as yeah, well yeah yeah so. he's a customer in the shop well he you know comes okay. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, uh, yeah he's a really nice chap 
he's got he bought that um he got his sidecar from Watsonian Square. Oh did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, I have dealt with Watsonian before to getting sidecars for Vespers before as well. So yeah. They're quite an old com- company as well. They are, yeah, very much. Because yeah. one of the there's one of the Vespers over here, I think I might um I'm trying to remember Mark Legale, I think might Mark Legale. Yeah, because he had was it the one that used to be the telecoms mm. scooter, which was kind of cool. But yeah. I didn't, he's he, had a, he's had quite a few sidecars. So he had one on his T5, and then he had one on a Vespa GTS 300, so the automatic. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then he's he's had another one as well, but it was the wrong side. That's the one that he's given to me to see if I can do something with it. Right. Because it's the wrong side, so it'll be the sidecar on the right hand side. Yeah. Whereas really, you so need to have European it on the version, yeah. yeah. You need to have it on the left, so your passenger is on the inside. Safe. Yeah, safe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And do you uh, do you sort of get involved in things like the gentleman's ride that they do every year? I don't. Um, as Millards, we don't really. Right. Um, I mean, I think like some of the guys actually ride on it, but we yeah. don't sort of because it's a charity thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, don't so, dress up in tweed or anything. Like yeah. That. No. Because that was quite, I, uh, we had problems obviously with the COVID situation, mm. but um, but certainly I enjoy yeah the whole dressing up and looking smart yeah. and going out on your bike was good fun. There was a good turnout for that as well. So. Yeah, yeah, so. it is. Yeah, I'd like to do it one day. Just like yeah, I keep using them as an excuse, but once my children are older, <laughs> yeah, any excuse really to get out of the bike. I know. And so, yeah. and you've, have you got any like um, hobbies around the bikes? Then do you like? I don't know, tinkering with bikes or is it just yeah, I mean, having knowledge? I like learning about bikes and, but I mean, I'm very much the sort of person that like, I need to see how, need to be physically doing something or watch something happening. I, like reading about it in a book is okay. But like, I remember with Fred, he said, I said to him, you know, I want to know how an engine works. Like I don't, you know, you, you twist the throttle and it goes, but I want to know like what's going on inside. And he like got like, um, it was very old because it was the computers, it was, before the internet we had like a little looped video that showed how like a, almost like a cut through of how an internal combustion engine worked and I found it just there's one around here somewhere is there. Yeah. he's made he's actually cut a segment out of a motor as well and you can see how the piston goes up and down and the you know drives a crank and that and I, and I just find it fascinating to learn how how it works so you know combustion blah, 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 up and down up and down that twists the, yeah. the axles and stuff and then it will and yeah, even going to like the science museums in the UK and in London and watching, looking at how, just how things work. You said, but you've got an engineering history in your family though, haven't you? I mean, that's, Yeah, so, that's... well, I mean, so Thomas Millard, who set up the company, I mean, in 1887 was when he first sold his first bike. And apparently the village that he sold it in, they all came out and they were horrified because there was this massive noise and they didn't know what it was. And it was, and most of it was, because like, that's how we know it was when he sold it because it was in the local paper. It made, and so have you got a copy of the paper then? Yeah, you? some, yeah, at the shop. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, and he, um, so that was like the first sort of record of us selling a bike. Um, and then, so when he moved to Guernsey, it was obviously his two sons, so Theo and Clinton. So Clinton was my great-grandfather then. And during the Second World War, he went to the UK to uh, work on Spitfire planes. Okay. Because so, he was an engineer at the shop. He wasn't like, well, and he raced bikes. He did like sand racing and hill climb racing. And we actually found one of the BSAs that he won a trophy on. 
and we had it in the shop and the press did a article on it as well um so he he was proper hands-on engineer so he he had three children um mine kathleen and then uncle robin and my grandfather murray um so I say none of them worked. My, my grandfather, Murray, is actually a vicar, but he was definitely an engineer. We're actually talking about it today because he is like an inventor and he loved... If you ever went around to him, he never spoke to you about religion or anything. He just always talked to you about different inventions that he had on the go and like little motors that he made. He was trying to make a, a boat that was like self-propelling. So at like a catamaran, as the wave sort of went through the middle, it actually helped to generate the... Okay. Like, yeah, and stuff like that. So he was really, really... Yeah, inventory, really, yeah. <laughs> engineered mind. And then, yeah, so he had three children, my dad and my two aunties, and my auntie Marie, uh, Lissy, she's an engineer as well. And my dad, like, loves, like, yeah, it's all about learning and seeing how things work, I think. And it's really satisfying. You probably know it yourself. Like, if there's a problem or something, and you manage to fix it or find out what the cause of the problem was, and, it, and then it starts working, it's... So satisfying. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why we do the bikes, right? It's just trying to fix. I don't know. It's, I, I talk about it elsewhere as well as about it's, it's, if you buy an old bike, it's a bit like archaeology, really. Mm. You're trying to figure out what other people have done to it because sometimes you've got the history of it, yeah. sometimes you don't. And then, yeah, how, how deep do you dig into it before you stop and go, okay, that's fine, yeah. that's enough. <laughs> so it's um, but it's a difficult call, really. But but yeah, yeah I'm the same as you. I just fascinated by. Um, what makes these things... I mean, the internal combustion engine, I, I think, is an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I guess I agree with you that I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it's an age thing, but I'm not sure that electric quite has the same soul as... No. As, yeah. I don't think so. I, I, think there's, I think it's actually an opportunity right now for clever people... I mean, we were talking about it, actually, today as well, um, about different ideas as to how we can make things move... You know, I was talking about, you know, you could even, like, take inspiration from, like, steam engines and how, you know, big boilers water and it's all, yeah. it lets out into the atmosphere of steam. But it's the way of heating it up and, you know, you've got, like, induction hobs and using small amounts of electricity that could maybe generate a boil water that could then act as a, you know, pushing pistons up yeah. and down and making things go. Or I know that people talk about using hydrogen as well. And I feel like there's, you know, a lot more opportunity right now for people to come up with, I say people, or any of us could really come up with an idea as to how to yeah, make things move that and still retain that sort of character of you know, what a petrol engine does. But agreed. Just yeah. If, you, if you're if you're interested, there's um, uh, on YouTube Harry's Garage. Mm. Um, he, he talks to the boss of JCB recently, and they talk about hydrogen-based yeah. en- engines, and it's brilliant actually because, like he was saying. Um, Electric engines are okay for consumers because their cars probably only do 300 hours a year. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're driving a JCB, they're doing two shifts, right? So they're 16 hours a day. Yeah. And so they've got to be much more reliable. And he doesn't feel that electric is anywhere near liable no. to use as a technology around that. And uh, so JCB are investing really heavily in the, the yeah. whole idea of hydrogen. So yeah, there's I mean, lots of that sort of stuff yeah. coming out, isn't there? You know, I mean, like, you know, you're talking about like driving abroad. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to take an electric vehicle abroad. In case range I mean, anxiety, you know, yeah, yeah, range anxiety, and also, I mean, like plugs. Like I've been away and like couldn't charge my toothbrush because you know, I mean, imagine if you went away, you couldn't charge a bike because I was like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, different. Yeah, yeah of course, they like have different voltages, plugs and, and yeah. you know, you go to America and they can't like kettles don't 
boil properly and things like that. I don't know, just very too stressful. Yeah, I think people have been trying to. There's been quite a lot of um, attempts to... Um, you know, use electric vehicles over distance, and like you said, it's compatibility of plugs and stuff. Yeah. There's a long way to go, really, and the battery technology is very different as well. It is, yeah. Mm, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, cause, yeah. Yeah, it's all very well for, uh, I don't know, Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman to have. Well, they, got, they had like, their convoys. stations built for them, didn't they? Yeah, all the way down America, they're like convoys following them, yeah. you know. I mean, I've got like reps who travel the UK on motorbikes, and you know, they could do you know, several hundred miles a day, and if you have to stop and refuel, it's what. 10, 15 minutes if you, you can't just stop and charge your bike up. It's, yeah, not It's feasible. coming though, it's coming, it's getting better. It I is, mean, what's yeah. that, you know, 40 minutes for a 80% charge type stuff they're talking yeah. about, so we'll have to wait That's and see. That's not too bad, I suppose you could do it whilst you're having your lunch. I think if, like, you, if you timed it and managed it properly, you know, it would be, I think petrol is just so much more convenient, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah it's, but it's also, like, electric's kind of convenient for Guernsey though, given mm. we are... Such a good example of the urban cycle, aren't we? Yes, is that, yeah. You know, we're stop-starting all the time, and that's what an electric engine really enjoys. Yeah. And so I can see a future over here, people buying yeah. in, but I can't ever see people equally moving away from the combustion engines no. just because people love their bikes and their yeah. cars over here. Yeah, well, that's well. it. I mean, we've got bikes in Guernsey that are, like, well over, like, 100 years old, yeah. and you're not going to give that up. The old flat tankers and stuff. Yeah, yeah brilliant. you know, it's just, yeah. Why would you give that up? They're so much fun. They're problematic as well so you see all the oil drip trays underneath yeah like, like we've been walking yeah. around today looking at them but, uh, but that, again that's part of the um the charm of the whole thing though is making mm. sure that i don't know that you catch the oil and you know you keep the damn things going but uh, you know, i'm determined to my old bmw i'm determined to make that oil tight that's kind of my ambition in life yeah. is to, is to do that so yeah <laughs> so it's because they were these bikes were made like the machinery that they have nowadays to make the cylinders and all and the casings i mean it's it's perfect isn't it, it? Is, yeah. but whereas when they were made you know back then i mean by hand some parts probably well, no two parts fit together no. i mean because each bike was made as a unique thing wasn't it yeah so or it, very difficult. yeah it wasn't like just not mass production yeah, type stuff. yeah yeah so yeah that's why they don't and you know metal expands and contracts as well and then it you know it's, you're never gonna Get it perfect. <laughs> Listen, it's been an absolute joy. So uh, thank you so much yeah. for agreeing to do this. Okay, um, <laughs> I think we we are at thirty eight minutes. There you go. Yeah. So we've overrun slightly, but uh, okay. but um, but I hope people have enjoyed this. And yeah, it's been great to uh, to have a chat with you. Thank yeah, you very much. I've loved it. Thank right, you. Cheers. <laughs> cool. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, so we're back for just a little bit more of the recording. Yeah. Uh, just because we were talking about. Um, thinking about women who are running motorcycle orientated businesses mm. and and I asked Sophie whether she could think of another one she did so over to yes. Sophie so there is so obviously my first thought would be oh I'm one um, but then there in the UK there is a company called Robinsons um, and they're a Suzuki uh, dealership there and they Normally, if we need Suzuki parts, we'd actually go to them um, for Suzuki parts. And there's a woman there called Michelle, and she is like wealth of knowledge along Suzuki's. Like, yeah, honestly, you sometimes she says because I've spoken to her before, and she says, you know, people phone up and they're like, oh, can I speak to somebody else? Because and any person that she then puts, you know, the customer onto, they then have to ultimately refer back to Michelle because she's actually the one with the knowledge there and uh yeah it's it's fascinating to because when I remember when I first met her I was like oh Michelle 
most people are just saying, oh, you're in accounts. Or yeah, because like, well, I wanted to talk to you about this misogyny <laughs> yeah. thing, didn't yeah. I? We, we, we kind of um, preempt that a little bit, because yeah. it's, I, I guess, because I'm embarrassed to say I've done it, yeah. because I can remember ringing you and asking yeah. to speak to Mike, because I was asking for a technical thing, I mean, yeah. don't be so patronising you get, and I asked <laughs> Sophie knew the answer better than anybody else in the shop uh-huh. in a way. And, Not um, always better than everybody else, but <laughs> I uh, can but sometimes you know. help. Yeah. And, um, but it's a curious thing that, mm. um, and my daughter, so grown-up daughter, and uh, she's, she says she's very conscious that when she goes in to buy a car, a new car, mm. you know, often the salesman won't won't want to speak to a woman. They want to speak to their other half, you yeah. know, which is incredibly rude, really. Yeah. And I just want to know but, whether you've experienced any of that I and mean, how you've dealt you dealt with it. You do to an extent. I mean, like the people that I work with have never been that way towards me because I've been working there for so long and from so young I think the only sort of issue I probably had was maybe like an age thing because obviously they've been working there for longer than I have and you're coming up through and it's sort of you sort of need to there's a really sort of fine balance to sort of play because you know they're a lot older than you and you like respect them and they've got so much like knowledge as well but I, I mean it's, it's with customers I do get it every now and then um, you know you answer the phone and people say oh yeah can I speak to somebody I'll be like oh you can actually talk to me if you want to or sometimes you know they'll be like oh no I'm just going to wait for the man over there you're like okay wait away <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah they want to know like get a spark plug or something but no. yeah I mean it's it, it a lot of it is just from just work I mean I started working when I was 12 and I'm 33 now so that's like 21 years yeah so you, I mean, it's not like nobody's ever... I've never sat down and been taught anything, but I remember when I first worked in the stores because I wanted to open the shop on Saturday, uh, on Thursdays. Okay. And Fred always had Thursdays off, so I was like, well, can, can I work in the stores? And he was like, yeah. And that was about as much training as I got in the stores. He said, that's the spark plug book, that's the battery book, and that's the oil filter book. Oh, and the brake pad book. Okay. And that was it, really. Because you I still just, close on Thursday, don't you? We do now, yeah. So, because that was when it was me, my dad, and my brother, um, all working together with Fred in the stores, and then we had Mike replace Fred in the stores. Um, but now it's just me in the office. So to try and make sure everybody gets a day off, we have yeah. to close on the Thursday. Because yeah. we did, we tried to do it where everybody sort of had a half day here or there, but it just got really confusing. So invariably, the day I remember, I've got to go and buy something from you. It'll be a Thursday. Yeah, it'll be a Thursday. You think, oh, yeah, they're close Yeah, to sorry. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> We've gotten used to it, so it's fine. I know. But, yeah, no, and, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it is funny. Because it, is, it isn't really a woman's role, I guess, working in a motorbike shop. But, I mean, this sort of day and age, I mean... Women do everything. Yeah, like of course that. they do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's like, um, you know, a friend of mine's a computer engineer and she's yeah. you know, a break a computer engineer. Yeah. But I think that she's experienced the misogynistic attitude, I think, to people yeah. phoning up looking for help desk support. And it's, but it's kind of crazy now. I mean, the world's just moved on, hopefully, you know. So. Yeah, that's it. I mean, like, we, I've got photographs of um, Clarice, who was, so when I said my grandfather's grandpa, Clinton and Theo, when they ran it, they had a sister called Clarice. And they, yeah, yeah. And she's got, um, there's, I've got like photographs of her like riding motorbikes and stuff. And it was like people were shocked. And Kathleen Millard as well, when they first moved overnight to it, like she was riding a motorbike. And you know, you think that back then, for a woman to be riding, you know, straddling a motorbike was, yeah, it was outrageous. In in a dress, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so no, it's um, it has definitely been in in my family. So it's in your it was, blood, eh? Yeah, it. that's it. Yeah, 
It is, definitely. So your two-year-old and your three-year-old, do you reckon they're going to be the next yeah. in the dynasty? Yeah, I mean, they love coming to the shop. They love sitting on all the bikes. I mean, what child doesn't, you yeah. know, really? They like playing with screwdrivers and hammers and all sorts of things. So, yeah, I think they'll definitely have a hands-on type. I think they'd love it. I get them in there as an apprentice up in the workshop, learning everything. Fantastic. Mm. Well, here's to another 108 years or whatever it is. It's just, yeah. yeah, in Guernsey. In Guernsey, oh, wait, yeah. 1908, what are we now? Uh, 113? Yeah, 113. Or 1887. Yeah. It's a long stuff. time, eh? It is. Yeah, it's very impressive. Okay, so. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. All right, thanks very much.